Are you the kind of gal who isn't interested in how things used to be in the hair industry, who wants to hear from ladies who are paving their own way while making waves? Well then, She Makes Waves is for you. So today I'm really excited. We have Kara Richard on the show. Kara is a Santa Barbara-based hairstylist, salon owner, and the founder of the Art of Sunkissed Hair Retreat. Kara has been taking her signature coloring technique on the road since 2015, even teaching in my studio here in Chicago. I love what Kara is doing, combining her hair education with wellness, and here's what she had to say about it. I have been dreaming of a way to combine my love of natural beauty and hair color with my passion for holistic self-care practices and my desire to share what I've learned about balancing my lifestyle as a colorist and salon owner. Kara, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. The fact that you taught in my last studio, it just I thought of you right away when I went to do this. Like, I got to get Kara on. I love it. I'm so excited for you too because I feel like I could see in your um, salon when I taught there, like just how creative you were just with what you did with the space. And then now seeing what you're doing with the podcast, I feel like you're bringing your creativity and like, it's not just, there's so many podcasts out there and I feel like yours is so, um, it's just different. I feel like you're really kind of connecting with what each stylist, what their passion is. And I, I'm really excited. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I, I love meeting you and I, I should tell everyone that I found you on Instagram and just sent you an inquiry. And I was like, would you ever teach in Chicago? And you were like, yeah, I would. It was so fun. I think that was that like three years ago now. It had to have been at least cause I'm going to be almost two years in my new space. So three or four years ago. And so when you had come to the salon, I just, I felt like you didn't subscribe to like the hustle and grind. And I know you've said that before, but I think that it's like very evolved of you to like know that because for, I think most of us, we kind of learn that later, but can you talk a little bit about your journey up until, you know, like when I found you, because I know you had like kind of you're from Louisiana, you're in Santa Barbara. Like, so tell us a little bit about your journey. Okay. So, um, I moved from Louisiana in 2006 and pretty much when I moved here, I immediately just decided, okay, what I went to school for, um, art back in the university that I went to in Louisiana. And then when I moved here, I'm like, okay, I need to figure out how to survive in Santa Barbara. It's really expensive. So from there I started working in a salon. I was just like, okay, maybe I'll do hair because I just, I, I mean, it's kind of funny because I thought it would be an easy way for me to make money. I'm like, Oh, I can just start taking clients. I didn't think of like, what all went into it, but it still worked out. So I did an apprenticeship and in the apprenticeship, that's really where I got to, I mean, I'm, I'm learning, but I'm also kind of taking a step back and looking at how a salon is run and just how um, things work when you're a hairstylist. So watching my boss, I mean, she would take like, I don't know, 10 to 12 clients a day, every 30 minutes, she would have somebody new. So even if it was a full highlight, a color correction, she had 30 minutes to do it before she had to work on her next client. And it just was overwhelming. And then I'm blowing out the client and the client's telling me like, Oh, she didn't even come and check my haircut, you know? And so I could see then that she was such a, and she still is like such a talented hairstylist, but she didn't give herself room to be able to correct something if she needed to, or make sure that 
everything was exactly how she wanted it. So seeing that, I just knew like, that's not how I want to work. And I've always been really slow. I'm just like a slow natured person. <laughs> like I'm a slow walker, slow talker, like everything I do is slow. And I used to, you know, give myself a hard time about it, but I'm like, no, I just like to take my time. So I rarely double book myself because it's too overwhelming for me, which most hairstylists would be like, how do you make any money? But I don't know. I just make it work. I do a lot of bigger color corrections. So I give myself room to do corrections if I need to, or if I make a mistake, I can add another toner, you know? So I just don't, um, I just don't over book myself. And for me, that's worked out really well. I love Um, that because it sounds like you've just set it up to really like structured it to really serve you time and money. That's all, you know, it's all relative. So whatever means what, whatever is more important to you. So for me, just having time and not having to stress is more important than me having more money. If that makes any sense. Like if make, you know, twice as much, but if I'm exhausted at the end of the day and not feeling good about my work, then it's not worth it for me. Yeah. I love that because I feel like I've kind of shifted that myself. Like I, and even now I work, I work four days a week. I used to work five for a while and went down to four and, um, I'm just really happy with that schedule that I could be making way more money, but you're playing a long game because it's like, I always think about how like, yeah, you can grind like that and grind like that. But then at a certain point, like you're not going to do that forever. Yes. I actually had to go back and start saying yes, because, and that's another thing, like life changes, you know, as a salon owner, like before, before I I owned a salon, I could say no. And I was traveling and do all these things. And it's like, okay, well now I have more responsibilities. I own a salon. So I actually needed to kind of revamp my clientele again, because I did lose clients just from the transition of becoming a salon owner. And then having the mudslides and the fires. And so I had to build myself up. So it's also just knowing when, when it's okay to like change, you know, you have to like stagnant in the way you do business. Yeah. You and your colleague got the opportunity to buy the salon you work in. Yeah. And so I I feel like just with Instagram, I've been following your journey the whole time and I'm just like, I'm a Kara fan. So I was like, that's so cool. They're buying the salon. I love how you guys remodeled it. It's just like, if I, if I lived there, I'd want to work there. Know your self care and everything. Like I I was just drawn to you before I even had my big awakening, but like, so you, you, you guys buy the salon and then, you know, did you feel like you had to like revamp your self care? What, what happened once you bought the salon? Like how did it shift for you? Because it's like a totally another ball game. Oh yeah. Oh, well, first of all, I never wanted to own a salon. That was like my worst nightmare. (laughs) And being a I apprenticed under the salon owner. So watching her juggle, I mean, she had kids, you know, family and working behind the chair and owning a business by herself. It just looked like something I didn't want to get into at all. And she would even say like, one day you'll be a salon owner. And I'm like, hell no, that is my worst nightmare. So working in the location where I work at now, it's a beautiful building. I've always been in love with it. It has an ocean view. I live two blocks away from it. It's like dream come true. And the owner gave us a 30 day notice. She was ready to close. And I've worked with, um, most of the people at the salon at the time I worked with for like over a decade and we were family and we didn't want to leave. 
So, um, my business partner now at the time he was in Europe and I called him when he was getting off the plane and I said, we need to take over the salon. And he was just down from that. He's always wanted to own a salon and I knew he would be the right person to partner with. And everybody supported us in the salon. Everyone stayed and we just all worked together. And it was actually for what it was, it was a super easy transition because the previous owner, who's still one of my closest friends, um, just helped us through the whole thing. We just, you know, bought everything that was in the salon from her and re-signed the lease and re-branded, changed the name, totally redecorated everything and did it without being in any debt. So it's actually amazing how it all worked out. So how long after you had bought it did those mudslides and the fires happen? It was our first year. We hadn't even made a year yet, I don't think. That was intense. I mean, for me, coming from Louisiana, I actually moved here after Katrina. That was just like the hurricane that hit me was actually Hurricane Rita that hit two weeks after Katrina. So those two hurricanes, like back to back, was super devastating for the state. And I was just kind of over it. And that's why I moved to California. So it was kind of like PTSD going through, like having to evacuate again. And like, I can't, I, I shouldn't even really say that because I'm lucky that I didn't suffer anything. You know, my home was fine, but just the fact of having to go back and evacuate back and forth and then having a new business and being so stressed, wondering how we're going to pay rent, how we're a rental salon. So just like being in that position where I felt like I was like the mom of my kids going to survive, you know, and just like taking on that kind of baggage I wasn't used to. And it was super stressful because we really didn't know how it was going to work. We were closed. I think out of like six weeks, we were closed like a total of three weeks. So that's really a long time to be closed. And I was the only one that lived in Summerlin. So during the mudslides, the roads were closed. So it was just me. I was the only person that could get to the salon. So anybody who was also trapped in Summerlin, I would just say, hey, come to the salon. I'll shampoo you. I'll do, you know, whatever I can. So it was really crazy. Somehow it just all worked out. Everybody was able to cover their rent and, you know, we got help from insurance and things like that. So we, we lucked out. And I think just having such a good team and we're all so supportive, that really helped us a lot. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. Looking back on it, it's, crazy. <laughs> you know, like I know you've done a course on like energetic boundaries behind the chair and things like that. What did you feel like when you, when you opened your salon, like, or like when you bought it, like what were some of the, like the new energetic boundaries that you maybe didn't have in place or had in place and you were happy you had? Well, and I feel like too, I mean, I've always been, um, really into like self-help and self-awareness and taking classes or reading books on that. And just from what I've found being in this industry and just my personality in general, I find that as hairstylists, we are, we're people pleasers. We're in this business because we want to make people happy. So that's one thing. But if you look at maybe the darker side of it, the shadow side of it, maybe we take that a little too far and we say yes, because we are, are people pleasers. Not everyone's like that, you know, cause there's also a creative side of it too. That is, that draws us to this um, industry. But I think 
a lot of it is that we want to make people happy. We like taking care of people. So that can easily be taken advantage of. And we're never taught that when we're in beauty school or when we do apprenticeships, you just take a client and just like with any other industry, you learn that the customer is always right. And this is so different from any other kind of customer service because we're actually, we're physically touching someone and physically touching their head, which is such a personal space. So if we're just not aware of our, I guess our own energy that we're putting out there, what we're receiving from other people, we can be taken advantage of. So just kind of seeing like what I've been through in my career and just hearing stories from other coworkers and other people, I just thought it's something that's really important that's never really talked about is how we can take care of ourselves and prepare ourselves for each client, um, how to release things from a client that we just saw. So yeah, I think it's really important in my retreat that I have. This is my second retreat coming up. We work with a depth psychotherapist. So it's, it's really cool. It's like a therapy talk in the retreat. We just talk about um, some techniques to be able to protect ourselves and not in a way like we're victims or anything like that. It's just like how to be aware of everything that's going on in that moment. Like just being totally conscious, conscious and present in our appointment. So if there's somebody, you know, there's energy vampires, there's people that will try to control your, you know, your creativity or your ability. And you're so used to being like the customer's always right. You don't really know how to communicate. So she gives you tools on how to be able to communicate with your clients and coworkers. You know, it totally happens with coworkers and bosses. And I've talked about in my post too, I used to work with men and kind of harassed by men. That's, a, that's another thing that's energetic that we're not taught when we're in school because we're taught the customer's always right. But what do you do when you're being harassed by a client? You know what I mean? So she she just gives us a space to be able to talk about those things and process it. And then have tools to be able to um, kind of successfully know how to speak and relate with your clients or your coworkers. And when I first did it, I was like, is this kind of too like weird, you know, how are people going to relate to it? Are they going to think I'm weird? And it was amazing because we had some girls just like crying because they've never even had the space to even think about the, the fact that they were maybe have been taken advantage of and not that the client is even consciously doing it. You know, when you're put in that situation where you're working so close with people, some people are never touched. You know, I've had a client tell me before that I was the only person that has touched her in 20 years. Yeah, I've been feeling lately like our jobs are really like way more unique and and, and strange and, and, and than anything I ever knew. Because, you know, mm-hmm. like you're someone people will talk, tell you something they haven't told anyone or they'll, it is, yeah. I just feel like there isn't maybe like, like enough awareness around like, really how special and unique of a role you play in people's lives. And then also just like how weird of a role you can take on. Yeah. It's really crazy. Sometimes I just sit and I'm like, whoa, my job is to like do hair. When you just think of hair in general, it's kind of a funny thing. This is like our job, but and then it's a funny thing, but it's also a really important thing because if you think about 
the energetic side of it, which is what I like to, I, I like to think of more of like our industry in a metaphysical way too. Like there's the physical, we're actually changing their hair, but the metaphysical is like the energy, the, the fact that we're touching their head, which the crown is such a, a huge part of who we are and how that client is able to like release past trauma. I mean, I've done haircuts and they've started crying because they're like, Whoa, I totally forgot this really difficult breakup I went through. And this just made me remember that, you know, we don't, we don't really ever discuss those kind of things. And it's, it's fascinating to me. I I could all day. (laughs) Totally. And kind of like like what I was thinking about when you're talking about that therapist, I'm like, it's really empowering to have a skill set or the ability to like go into these kind of encounters with so much more that you're conscious of than, than, and you're armed with all these, these tools to show up behind the chair in a way that really honors you. Because I think that if I'm really honest, the, the parts of this job that become excruciating for me is everything that no one sees. So if I go into it and I have this whole toolkit of, and it, it is, it has helped me to have more boundaries and more things like that. But there's like so much of like what we can be doing that like the client doesn't see that, that we're able to show up for ourselves. Cause I think for a long time, I kind of just like would exit my body, be whoever I needed to be, just be in my head and some, whatever you want to talk about, we'll talk about. And like, I was myself, but I didn't realize how much I just kind of like checked out. And it was to show up for someone else. I wasn't doing it because I didn't care about them. I almost did it at my own expense because I cared so much. Exactly. And it's almost like a way of like maybe a self-protection, you know, building a layer. Because for me, I, I can easily be a chameleon with anyone. It's not, and I think that's that's a part of being a talented hairstylist is being able to morph into what that client wants us to be, which is a good thing. We want our clients to feel comfortable and safe, but how can we make sure we're not losing ourselves too? Which was, yeah, it's a really fine line. And I would find myself just totally becoming what they want me to be and losing myself and being less confident in my own work to make them feel better. And that's when mistakes can happen. You know, when you let the client take control and you're just like, Oh shit, I don't want, I didn't want them to like totally formulate what I was going to do. And now I have to go and it because I wanted them to make, to be comfortable. Yeah. It's things like that where it's so important to be totally conscious and yeah. And know who you want to be because like, like what you're saying, it's like, I was just thinking as you were talking about how, like I've had clients be like, Hey, do you do interior design work? Like, Hey, will you do photography for me? Will you do? And if you, and I'm and it, again, it's like, what an interesting job we have that not only do we like talk to people about things they really don't talk to anyone about, then we make them feel good on the outside, changing something on the inside. But then because they trust us so much, I feel like they'll even ask you sometimes to do things that are completely out of your wheelhouse. And I've gotten really good now at being like, having the tools to myself to say, if I say yes to doing a photo shoot when I'm not a photographer, if I say yes to interior design work, if I say yes to that, then I'm saying no to my podcast. I'm saying no to my relationships. I'm saying know to walk in my dog and listen to a podcast. I didn't even think of that, but that's so true. It's so wild. I mean, find like, I never asked my, my sister who's my insurance agent. I never ask her to do something for work. That's completely outside of what she does. <laughs> that's so right. And I think being a creative too, like 
especially for me, I want to dabble in everything, you know? So you're, it's, it's tempting to be like, Oh yeah, I'll totally do that. Well, yeah, like, cause you, cause you probably could be good at all of it, but it's like being really thoughtful about like, I have 24 hours in the day. I really believe in the saying like, um, Jack of all trades, master of none. Like that's so true, which is why I wanted to specialize in balayage. Like I just, I don't, I'm not one, I dabble in things, but if I'm going to like be successful at something, I really have to concentrate and focus on like one thing. Tell us a little bit about your retreat that you have coming up. Yes. So this is my second one. It's um, coming up on October 7th, a Monday. It is at um, a beautiful rose farm called Eco Mama Farms. This I've been wanting to do retreats for like, even before I started teaching classes, it was just a thought of mine that I had like a dream where living in Summerlin, we're so close to the beach. It's such a cute little beach town. And I would think that would be so cool if I could do classes and they could stay in Summerlin and we could do yoga, we could do all these things. Um, and then it just kind of transitioned where I thought it'd be cool to, you know, rent a space where I'd have these retreats and I just couldn't find the space that really felt like everything that I wanted to give in, um, in a retreat. So I had a client of mine come in and she told me like, I just bought this beautiful property in San Inez. I'm going to turn it into a space and hold retreats and workshops. And she told me all about it. And I was like, Oh my God, this is it. I'm like, this is what, this is the space. And she's amazing and does everything from the kit is farm to table catering. It's a, gorgeous rose farm. So yeah, so I kind of just curated a whole day of self-care for hairstylists. It starts out with, um, one of my best friends teaches yoga. She's incredible. And she customized a yoga class that you can take back with you. It's, um, postures and breathing techniques that are really essential when you're doing hair. It's amazing. So we start with that. I teach, um, the art of sun-kissed hair. So it's, basically what I would teach in a class. And I kept the prices really reasonable so that it's basically what you would pay just to come to a class, but you get a whole day retreat. So we have that. And then, like I said, we have our therapy talk with our depth psychotherapist and we have um, time for journaling and just um, enjoying the property. We have farm to table meals and yeah, it's just a really awesome day that we just get to kind of do kind of self-reflection and look at our industry from a different point of view. I was talking before more of an energetic way and not just a physical way. Like, yeah, you do get the physical education of me teaching balayage. So you get that side of it. Um, but then you also get a little bit more of the emotional side of it too. And then we also go out to the Rose Garden and do a photo shoot. I have a professional photographer that does a shoot with our model. So she also teaches um, you how to take professional photographs with your model. And it's just a really cool day. And I keep it really low key. I recommend that, you know, since we're doing yoga, like I just say, hey, wear your yoga clothes. This is Normally when we go to hair shows or hair classes, we want to like dress the nines and do our makeup and all this. And I say, don't worry about me if you want to, if you're comfortable with it, fine. But let's just take our shoes off. Let's just wear our yoga pants. Don't worry about makeup. And it was really cool because I was kind of wondering like how comfortable will some of these women be 
you know, not wearing makeup and they just felt so relieved. Like I love being in your class in Chicago and then throw a rose garden in there, throw yoga. Like, like I, I just, everything you're saying sounds so peaceful. It's so fun. I mean, anything that I do, I create, it's what I would want. So it's not even like I'm going to the retreat too. Like I take the yoga class there. I do the therapy. I'm like crying with everybody in therapy. So it's also for me. And even the events I I do self-care nights here at the salon and I do a lot of events here and it's always like, okay, what would I want? Well, I think that's an interesting point because for me, like doing the podcast, I'm kind of doing it in a weird way. Like for me, like I get to pick people's brains that I admire that. I, and so I wonder if we like sometimes overthink it that like what the thing you're meant to make or do is the thing that you need most, but you're not the only one that needs it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And then even with clients, you know, it's like, okay, I love natural sunkiss hair. That's the kind of hair that I want. So I'm going to attract those types of people. So when you just do what you're passionate about, you're going to attract the people that you want anyway, versus you saying like, what do the people want? Like trying to rack your brain, figuring out the next big thing, or, you know, it's not even about that. It's just, what do you enjoy doing? What would you like? And then you're going to attract those types of people, which are the types of people that you want to connect with anyway. Well, it's funny you say that because when you taught at the comb, I remember you saying like, I, I don't do everyone's hair. And I, I, I wanted to mention this to you that after that, then I started being like, yeah, me either. I don't do just anyone's hair. And I started implementing that in. And I feel like for me, you were the first person I ever heard that was like, you don't have to be for everyone. Like I literally had not heard that. That's, yeah, I didn't hear that either. I, I just start, started doing that. I don't even know. Well, I guess my old boss, she would, she would make a point. She didn't do it often, but if it was somebody she just knew wouldn't be a good fit for her, she, she was very empowered, still is, I'm sure. And um, that really helped me a lot. And then for me having assistance, I taught them that. So being able to see them being able to use their own judgment and deciding if they want to take a client, that means a lot. But I will go back and say that I've had to check myself because I got to a point where I was denying like too many clients, you know, where I was just like, Oh, I don't even want to deal with that. I'm just going to say no, which that can catch up with you after a while. So now I'm kind of going back, like before I wasn't taking any new just haircut clients. I only wanted to do a cut if they did color also. But then I was like, okay, well, I don't need to turn people down now. Now I'm a business owner. I need to, you know, like I have more responsibilities and I have a partner, you know? But I think it's an interesting point because I do see it a ton all over social media and everywhere. It's like the rule to be someone's client now seem sometimes can be a little hefty. Exactly. And that's, <laughs> that's where I had to check myself and be like, okay, Kara, you're not like the shit. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. And like, sometimes it is nice and probably to have a shorter service mixed in. Like I actually just put like for the last four or five years, I put all the different color services I do into a pie chart. And I'm able to see, because you know how you'll be like, oh, I'm doing too much of this. I'm not doing enough of that. I actually have a visual now to see what the proportion of each service I'm doing is. And it really helped me because I, I love, I have a lot, I mean, I have a lot of touch-ups because I'm on the North, like where I work, there's a lot of moms and great coverage, but I don't want to only do that. And so 
I feel like what I've been able to do is strategically slowly raise that price so that I'm still doing them, but the percentage, it doesn't continue to go up. If anything, it starts to go down because the amount of people willing to pay that amount. And I love my clients, but I'm just kind of proud of that. Like looking at the evolution of it and being like, wow, like, you know, going from starting at 1920 doing people's hair for $57 a touch up to getting to 115 a touch up, like people kind of trickle off. And so I think that I'm down to like, like 37% of my color services are great touch-ups. And I'm like proud of that because I look back over the years, I'm like, oh, it used to be 50%, 55%. And that's my least expensive service. So it's kind of cool what you're saying about how, okay, I'm doing haircuts now, but then I'm going to look at my, my chart, look at my schedule and see like what in proportion it is to the other things that I do. Because if it sways your, your balayage way out of whack and you can, those people can't get in and it's like, Hey, I'm not doing any more haircuts except for existing people. So I kind of get the whole, how it shifts. Well, I love your pie chart thing. I'm totally going to do that. Well, and for me becoming a salon owner, like I was so, not that I was completely overwhelmed, but I was overwhelmed and just everything was so new and I wasn't able to focus. Like I wasn't teaching classes anymore, you know, and I definitely lost clients and I saw my retention rate go down and I knew it was because I wasn't present with my clients. So I probably lost them from that. I lost some just because when you become a salon owner, clients just assume you're just going to like raise your prices, like double your prices or something. So I know I lost them from that. Um, we had online booking issues. There's a lot of things. So I just had to tell myself like, this is just a part of life, like the kind of the ebbs and flows, you know, and it's not like my career is over, but I did see my client, you know, my client base kind of dwindle and I had to like build it back up, which can happen, you know, like life happens. Maybe you have a baby and you have to go on leave and then you come back or maybe you have an injury, you come back and you lose these clients and you have to build it back up. So me being able to make myself just be more humble and say like, okay, I am taking new cutting clients now. Okay. I am going to do this old lady touch up. It's not like a beautiful balayage, <laughs> a lot more old lady touch ups and that's okay. And you know, then you get back to the point where you build yourself up and you can do like you're doing, like look at your clientele and raise the prices accordingly. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's almost like starting over I'm at a place where we're comfortable with the salon we're not like building anymore we're at a good pace and consistent and now I can focus on being a hairstylist being an educator we just got an assistant I didn't want to even an assistant for a while just just the fact of me mentoring somebody was just too much and for it I just didn't even have an assistant I'm like I'm just going to work alone and just kind of <laughs> build my and not have to worry about anything. And so, yeah, I feel like the past few months, I'm just kind of building myself back up, which is cool. It is cool. And it's also like, I do think having your own space and like, you know, you have people that work with you, but it's like, it is really one of the most humbling things because you're, you're like, like, and it gives you such an appreciation, I feel like for the industry, because you really do get to look and go, wow, those salon owners I worked for really weren't screwing me. At least that's for me. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That's exactly what it is. Like, you're like, wow, the overhead on this thing is serious. It's insane. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I feel like that's been like one of the most humbling things for me is like seeing how, you know, I, I was at a work event once for my husband and this one woman goes, yeah, I was getting my hair done. She knew I was a colorist and she was like, I was getting my hair done. And she was charging me $90. She's like, I mean, she just gets to take all that home. And her husband was sitting there on his laptop and she goes, that's why I make him do it. And I'm thinking, like executive colors your hair. And then also her hair was purple. So I was like, but she didn't know. And I was like, Oh, and she's like, and he didn't say anything. And I go, well, you do realize that there's overhead and that there's really aren't high profit margins in, in the salon world. I'm like, you do realize that she's not taking home $90 and her husband just nodded. And I was like, these two tools, but I feel like you do get an appreciation having your own space. Like try and come at me and be like, must be nice. Like that stuff irks me. Cause it's like, no, like it, there's an overhead. No, it's insane. And the reason that I did this, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with me making money. Being a salon owner had nothing because I've seen it, you know, being an apprentice for a salon owner, I've seen that. Yes, you can make some money from it. You have to have a really good business strategy, but I mean, we have a small salon, we have a small retail space, you know, it's, it was more about me being able to love where I work. That was the only reason I became a salon owner is because I wanted to be able to come to a place where I work with people who are like family. We get along. I feel like we created this space to feel like a spa, you know, that spa experience. And that's what I want to feel when I come to work. I don't go to work and work in this like crazy hustle salon where it's loud and people are running around you hear the blow dryers and like, I'm in this space and it's peaceful and and quiet and yeah, we, we get busy and it gets a little loud, but the clients walk in, they're like, Oh my God, this is a breath of fresh air. And I want that for the clients, but I also want that for our coworkers, for them to come in and feel like, Oh, this is so relaxing. Like that's really all I cared about. That's interesting. Cause I feel that same way. I, I don't think I ever have said like you saying it like that. I'm like, just had like an aha moment. I'm like, yeah, I never opened my first studio or this studio for the money. It was always, it was always something like more about the fulfillment. And sometimes I feel like, and I'm guilty of losing that fulfillment in trying to make it about the money and make it about adding people, making it about growing it. And I think that that's when I get lost. Like when I'm making it what it is and like the, what you just said, I'm like, that's what it is for me. But then I kind of get off track when I'm trying. And I think just about the the money, like in, in the building from here, it's like, I start to get kind of flustered. Well, it goes back to how I was saying, like when you're just thinking of what you're passionate about and what you would enjoy, then you're going to attract those people and things are going to fall into place. So it was just like, Oh, what's the setting I want to work in. I want to work in a really peaceful, relaxing setting where everyone gets along. There's no drama. And that's what we have. We don't have one person here. That's drama. I love it. And that's what it's all about. It's just about being happy. And I think things fall into place when you just figure out what you need to do in order to be, I mean, and life isn't all about being happy all the time, but no, I said this the other day. I said, it's like, I want, I feel like if you're not finding joy in the journey, like on the macro, not the micro, because you're going to have days where it is just work or it is just grind or like, Oh, someone locked themselves out of your salon. Like, just like there is going to be shit. But like on the macro, if you're not finding joy along the journey, you're on the wrong fucking path. Exactly. And that's like, 
it's funny because when I first started working in this space, like I've always loved this building, like I said, and I just had so much appreciation for it. And next door to our salon is this church. And I'm not like a super religious person, but I would make a point every time I'd pass the church just to be like, oh, I'm just going to be grateful for the place that I work. Even though like today I don't really want to work on clients. I'm, you know, pissed off or whatever, just taking a moment to be like, okay, in general, I'm really happy to be here right now. And I have to, I have to check myself that way often because, you know, you go through your own life circumstances and, but you have to just constantly look at the big picture. Yeah, no, it's really cool. Like someone said on one of the other episodes, like you need to be able to zoom out. And I, and I found it for years really hard to zoom out and to have an appreciation for the bigger picture because I was so like, but this is going wrong. And like, if I zoom out, like things are pretty freaking awesome. I know. And then you kind of laugh. You're like, Oh my God, I'm freaking out at these little things that like in a month from now, I'm going to totally forget. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So if you were going to leave hairstylist with kind of your biggest lesson. So, I mean, I feel like there's like so many things. Yeah. I, I think it's really important. Like I said before, I've always been someone who's seeking more like self-awareness because I just don't like being going through the motions and being unconscious when I'm doing anything you know, because that's when you can get into like weird habits or you can kind of sink into a depression or get caught up in something you don't want to be caught up in. So me just, um, you know, I read a lot, I do a lot of different classes and workshops and just whatever I can do to just become aware of everything in life really helps me in my career and my relationships with family, friends, coworkers, clients, and all that. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest thing, like just constantly working on myself so that I don't, um, I don't get overwhelmed by little things, how we were just talking before and being able to constantly check in with myself. Yeah. I, I just like, while you were talking, pulled up this quote that I, I had found that said, business growth can only happen in the wake of personal growth. Take your time, mm -hmm. track your time and money ruthlessly. You need both resources to close the gap between where you are now and the life and business you're working towards. Divine your non-negotiables. Say no more and allow space for more CEO time. Separate your identity from your business and allow yourself to be a whole person. I feel like that's exactly what you just said. I was like, oh, if I can find this and cue it up. Who said that? So uh, it's from these people called Hey Sweet Pea. They're a branding school that I just took. And it, they're, they're really about like taking time for yourself to have your business really serve your life. And I feel like that's like kind of the path you've been on. And I think that's why I've been drawn to you for as long as I have, because it's taken me a lot longer to get there. I think it's kind of funny how like your life puts people in your path that like you look back and go, wow, like that person was like a wake up call. Yeah. I love that. And I've had people come to my classes and, and they're like, wow, I still remember your class and what you said. And they say the specific thing that I said, and I don't even remember it. Cause I'm just, I just kind of say whatever <laughs> comes out of my mouth, but it makes me really happy to know that people are resonating with what I say and remember it and use it in their everyday life. It's, it's pretty incredible. 
And then like, I'm helping people along the way. I don't know. It's like hard to explain. I feel like, no, it's cool. It's kind of like, all right, let's go do this gang. Who's coming with me. And it's like, it's like such, it's, it seems like the energy behind it would be just so much more freeing, not this huge burden of responsibility of like, I've got to help all these people. It's like, no, if I help you, cool. If not cool. And that's what my classes are super small. Like the classes I have here, I have like five people, the retreat. I don't take more than 10 people. So I don't put pressure on myself. Like, Oh, if it sells out, great. If not, like, as long as I cover my costs, that's all I care about. <laughs> like, it's not, about me. which I guess when you look at a business standpoint, it's like, wait, you're not making money, but it's like, no, this, no, but I think you will. I think yeah. that that's where those people are wrong. Yeah, exactly. It just always works out that way because I'm, I'm not going into it make money. That's so cool. Well, thank you, Kara, so much for taking the time. I know we've been trying to get this interview done and you are well worth the wait, but where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram. So I used to be Santa Barbara Balayage and I changed it a year ago. So now I'm Kara Richard and Richard spelt just like Richard underscore official. K-A-R-A is my first name. And um, my website, you can go to theartofsunkissedhair.com. And then my salon is called Summerlin Salon and Spa. We're on Instagram as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is so awesome.